This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. So we have been um, on a subject matter of avoiding distractions in several different areas. And so uh, we know that we have had the, the teaching on the snare of the fowler. And so understand that that particular topic, that particular message, it's feeding into all of these others because they are, they are uh, um, addressing different areas. But it's all about, remember that it's still all about the snare and the trap of the enemy. All of these things that we're talking about. It's about the snare and the trap of the enemy. So tonight, we are, next couple of Wednesdays, we're going to be talking about avoiding distraction in personal struggles. Avoiding distraction in personal struggles. So personal struggles, that's that's not something that we can avoid, all of us. All of us will have personal struggles, have personal struggles, will have personal struggles at some point in our lives. We will not, none of us, no one will be able to avoid it. We cannot avoid it. We will not be able to avoid it because we have flesh and we have a soul. Because we have flesh and because we have a soul, those two things yield themselves to struggle. They yield themselves to struggle. Okay, so because our flesh, because of our flesh, we tend to hold on to things that we desire, that our flesh desires, and we tend to hold on to things that appease it. Because of our flesh, it cries out for things. It cries out for food. That's why some of us struggle with losing weight. Because we like to eat. And our flesh loves it. But then there are other people who don't have a problem. They know what food is for. So they don't have a struggle with it. But some of us do. Okay? So our flesh, because of our flesh, it tends to hold to things, it tends to desire things that will appease because of our souls, we are subject to disappointment. Because remember, our soul is where our heart is. It's where our thoughts are. It's where our emotions are. It's where our desires lie. So in our souls and because of our souls, we are subject to disappointment. We're subject to fear. We're subject to hurt. We're subject to pain. We're subject to heartache because of our souls. Because of our soul, we tend to grab and hold on to things 
and nurture things in our lives to satisfy those longings of the heart. And we tend to hold on to things that occupy a space in our hearts that only belongs to God because of our souls. Because of our souls, we tend to hold on to, listen to this closely, we tend to grab hold of things, nurture things in our lives to satisfy longings and to occupy a space in our heart that only belongs to God. We know that we are are creatures. We were made to love one another. We were, no one is an island. God did not create us to be alone. So because of our souls, we develop ties with people. And once we develop ties with people, uh, and let's just say the the ties that we've developed, they were not God-ordained ties. So when it's time to let them go and God tells you to let them go, you want to hold on to it because they've touched your soul. They've touched your emotions. So that's why I say we tend to hold on to things that only and, and, and occupy spaces in our heart that only belongs to God. Okay? So... What is a struggle? So we know, I just said that we cannot avoid them. At some point in our lives, because of our flesh, because of our souls, at some point in our lives, we're going to struggle with something. Something. So a struggle is a fight. A struggle is a battle. A struggle is strenuous effort. It's strenuous effort to work to shake off, to work off something, to shake off something, to shake loose from something, to get away from something, to get out of something, to put down something, to let go of a difficulty or an opposition. That's, it's a struggle. See, if, if, if it's easy to do, so like I said, the example that I saw, talked about with food, for, for some people... You know, food is not a problem. I know when to put it down. I know when to put it down. Not me. I'm not necessarily saying me, but uh, somebody's going to say, I, I know how to put down food. So that means it's not a struggle. It's not a struggle for you. But for somebody like me that likes food, I like food. So it's a struggle for me to put down food. I said it's a struggle. That means what? It's a battle. I have to put forth effort to put it down. I have to put forth effort to put it down. But for somebody else, it's not a problem. We're talking about personal struggles. So we talked about, we gave a definition for struggle. Now we're talking, now we're talking about, we're bringing it home and we're talking about personal struggles. So remember the definition of struggle. And then when we say personal, that means it's private. It's private or it's individual. So I have a personal struggle with food. So I can, I can attest, I can attest when Pastor Hill was talking about when we, when we call a fast 
And yes, my, a lot of times, my flesh cringes at the thought of a fast. Just at the thought of a fast. So I can, I can attest when she says those first two, three days, for me, that's a battle right there. It's a struggle. Because I don't want to stop eating. But just as she said, and I can test to that too, once you have set your mind to do something and you have set your mind on, for the purpose of it, and you've prayed and you've dedicated, just, it gets easier. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't start as a struggle. Okay? So that's a personal struggle. It means it's private. That means it's individual. Now, there are two general areas of struggle. Two. Two general areas of struggle. One is being undisciplined in any area of your life, whether it's spiritual or natural. So we talked about the flesh. Remember we said that, that we know that the struggles come because of two things, our flesh and our soul. So this one, the struggle that we have or that we find ourselves in, being undisciplined in any area, that's in the area of the flesh. And I said undisciplined in any area of the life. It could be a spiritual or it could be a natural struggle. When, you, when a person uh, struggles with prayer, they struggle with a prayer life. They struggle with, with a consistent prayer life. That means they're undisciplined in that area. I talked about food. I struggle with putting down food. That means that's, I'm undisciplined in that area. That's what that means. And then, so that's the first area, general area personal struggle. The second general area of personal struggle is difficulty dealing with or handling a situation or an event in your life. And that has to do with your soul. A difficulty dealing with or handling a situation or an event in your life. That's the second general area of personal struggle. And we're going to, as we go, you're, you're going to get a better understanding of those, those difficulties and, and those, those situations that I'm referring to. I want you to remember, though, Sunday's message. So remember, our pastor said to us that Jesus has the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Didn't give you those keys. He has the keys to death, hell, and the grave. The matter has been taken care of. Death has been dealt with. So has hell. So has the grave. God has dealt with those things. That's why when a believer dies, we don't even call it death. The scripture calls it sleep. You're just taking a rest. Until Jesus returns. Because you will rise again. That means that God, that Jesus has taken that key. He's dealt with it. The matter has been handled. That's why the grave won't be able to hold you. (laughs) 
because God has that key and he has taken care of the matter. That's why hell you won't see because God has taken care of the matter through Jesus Christ. And as long as you are in him, you will miss all three of those things. Just as he has taken the care of the matter with those things, he has also taken care of the matter of your personal struggles. And that's what we need to hold. That's the part that we need to grab and hold on to. So we, we don't have problem. We don't have a problem with understanding that God has handled the matter with death, hell, and the grave. But sometimes we have a struggle with understanding that God has also taken care of those personal struggles that we deal with because of those events and situations and those difficulties in our lives. He's like, okay, well, how? I'm glad you asked. We're gonna, the, for the rest of this time, we're going to chase down. We're going to find out. We're going to look at how God has taken care of that matter. And I'm hoping, and I, my prayer is, is that after this message, you're going to see your struggles a whole lot differently. And that you will be able to come out of those struggles more quickly, more swiftly. Because you're not going to be able to avoid it. Remember, it's going to come, but you don't have to stay in it long. (laughs) It's going to come. It's going to raise its ugly head, but you don't have to hold on to struggle. You don't have to hold on to struggle. You can come out of struggle swiftly. Just as quick as you got in it, you can get out of it just as quickly. Hold on to that. Hold on to it. So, the causes of personal struggles. Personal struggle can be caused or inflicted by a public or a communal event or situation. That means it's affecting the entire community. It could be affecting the entire church of the living water community. It could be affecting your neighborhood community. It could be affecting the nationwide community, just as COVID-19 is affecting the nation. That's a communal situation. That's a public or a communal situation. And although the event or the situation may be public or communal, it affects people differently. And some effects can be more extensive for others than they are for others. Okay? So, the extent of the effect is different for everyone and may cause a personal or private or individual struggle. So so we have an event, we have an event, we have a situation, and that event or that situation can cause a struggle for someone. For instance, 
talked about, I mentioned COVID-19. During COVID, especially when it first began in that first year, we had some people who were struggling with loneliness where others weren't. We had some people who were struggling with being laid off work, not getting paid because they couldn't work. It didn't affect others when it was affecting them. So it was a public or communal thing, but it affects people differently. And even in that, we had people, I mentioned that we had people who could not work, who lost their jobs, who could not work. And even in that situation, the situation of not being able to work in COVID, that affected people differently. So just because one person couldn't work, they may have struggled mentally, physically, financially, and then someone else who was laid off could not work. It may not have affected them, I'm not going to say at all, but they had no struggle with it. They found themselves having to deal with it, but dealing with it didn't mean that they were struggling with it. They just had to deal with the situation. But that didn't necessarily mean that it caused them any struggle. Remember I said the struggle means that you're trying to shake off something. So they could have, you know, when, when, when you're struggling in that situation, you could be trying to shake off depression because you can't pay your bills. You could be trying to shake off, um, I don't know, what, whatever those causes are. For you not being able to provide for your family or having money in your pocket. So even in that, it affects people differently. So causes, it could be caused by a public or communal event. And then the second thing is that it could be caused by an event or situation that is common to every man, good or bad. Situation is common to every man, meaning it has happened to others in the past. It will happen to others in the future. And it may be happening to you right now. So it's an event or a situation that's common to everyone, but it's not affecting everyone at the same time. Someone is not, people are not going through it at the same time, unlike the communal event. So, it is nothing that is unique to you. I know when we go through something, we think, oh, I'm the only one. No, you're not the only one. You won't be the only one. And there have been others before you. But I know we tend to think that, you know, I'm, I'm the only one going through that. And we, we, we act like that when we're going through it. Well, that, oh, woe is me, woe is me. That's you thinking, oh, I'm the only one that's gone through that. But if you would think, if you could stop, you could just stop long enough to think, you know what, my mama went through that. My pastor went through that. My sister went through that. My brother went through that. And guess where they are now? On the other side of it. That alone, that alone. And we're going to see that even in that we're going to see that even in that, that is God trying to show you that you don't have to hold on to your struggles. <laughs> That's God showing you. 
He's showing you even in that, even in witnessing someone else, we're going to see that all of that is God orchestrated. All of it is God orchestrated. Some develop a personal struggle because of it. We said that and some do not. Uh, we talked about loss of a job. We're talking about loss of a loved one. We're talking about divorce. We're talking about problems in marriage. We're talking about injustices that have been posed upon you. And then it could be some good situations. Everything doesn't have to be bad. Good situations. Being married. That's a good situation. Being single. What do I mean by being married and being single? I said it was good, but I'm saying that you have a struggle. See, some people have a struggle. Being married. They love being married. They love it. And but they're so tied into it that they can't do anything for the Lord. They struggle with their commitment to God because of their marriage. Promotions on the job. How can a promotion on the job cause a struggle? Because a promotion on the job it could mean that you've been pulled away. So now, yeah, you're making some good money. You have some promotion. You got, you know, you got a title. You got a new title. You got some, some new money. But now you're not coming to church as much. It's going into your prayer time. It's going into your study time. It's making you travel more. So you can't be at church. You know, when promotion comes, responsibility. So yeah, they give you promotion, they give you more money, but they want your more, they want more time. <laughs> they want you to be on the on the clock 24/7. That's why they give you a cell phone that they pay for. So when you say you didn't answer, so when you uh, don't answer the phone, that is no excuse because we pay that bill. But you think you high and mighty? Because you got a promotion and you got a cell phone. Not understanding, duh. <laughs> it's for a reason. More money, more responsibility. Accolades posed upon you. You know, accolades posed upon you can cause. A struggle in pride. A struggle in pride. Oh, I, you know, people love, they love to say, oh, I'm the first to do this. And they love to say, oh, I'm the first to do that. They love, they love, they love it. I'm the woman of the year. I'm the employee of the month. All those accolades. For people to praise you. But then that can cause a struggle in pride. And what does the scripture tell us about pride? Pride goes before a fall. And when you fall in pride, the fall is great. A struggle. A good event, perhaps. But it's caused a struggle for you. So not all promotions are good promotions. 
you better understand it. You better, you better, you had better. That's why the scripture tells us in all of our ways acknowledge God and he will direct our paths. Just because they offer it don't mean you have to take it. Really? I would be a fool not to take a promotion that's going to give me a $10,000 or $20,000 raise. I would be a fool. That's what some people think. But what is it worth to you? How much are you willing to sell your soul to the devil for? (laughs) Snares and traps. Snares and traps of the enemy. I'm not going to say, and I'm not saying that promotions could not be a good promotion. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you need to acknowledge God in all of your ways. Because I said every promote. I didn't say all promotions are not good promotions. I said, I said some promotions are not good promotions. But that's why our relationship with God is so important. The enemy uses events and situations to encourage emotional responses and actions. He uses those events and situations in our lives to encourage emotional responses. And that's why we cannot be led by our flesh We have to be led by the Spirit of God. Now, a lot of times, again, and remember, remember, we keep in mind that we were talking about events, different events. It could be bad events, what uh, uh, events that could cause us hurt, can cause us pain. Remember, I talked about that. I'm saying that the enemy uses those events and situations to encourage emotional responses. You're going to have, because of our souls, you're going to have some emotional responses. That's, that's natural. It's natural. It's natural to have emotional responses. I'm saying you cannot be led by. Those emotional responses. You cannot, when you have those emotional responses that come up because of different things in your lives, that's not the time to act. It's not the time to act. That's the time to sit. That's the time to be still. If you want, have that emotion while you're sitting and you're being still. You're not making any decisions. You're not moving forward with anything. I'm going to sit. I'm going to have my emotions. And then when I finish with this emotional thing right here. And while I'm going through this emotional thing right here. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to seek God. We are allowed our emotions. When people, when we have our, our family, our loved ones, when, when they pass away, we're going to have those emotions. Even Jesus wept at the death of Lazarus. He knows that. You have opportunity. But the scripture tells us that we mourn. So yes, we are and we're expected to mourn. We're expected to have our mourning process. 
But in our mourning, we don't lose hope. See, that's the key. And that's why I say at that time, because if you lose hope while you're in that emotional state, then you can make some wrong decisions and some wrong choices. That's why I say you got to be still. Have your emotions. Be still. Start seeking God. Go through those emotions. But don't make any decisions. Don't move. Don't move. Until you stop the Lord. And you have a clear understanding. Of his will. And the way you should move. Example. Our pastor, current pastor, she took 30 days. God had given her 30 days. God had given her. She said God had given her. That means she was seeking. In that morning process, she was seeking God. He gave her 30 days. So for 30 days, you didn't see her appear. You didn't see her ministering. That means she wasn't moving forward at that point. She was being still. She took that time. God had given her that time to mourn. No critical decisions. She took that time. And then afterwards, she was able to rise up and then start to make decisions. You see that? You never, in a situation or an event, you never respond out of your emotions. Because it will cause you to make wrong choices. She could have decided, if she were operating emotionally, she could have decided, oh, no, I'm going to San Antonio. I'm just going to go be with my mother. Oh, I'm going somewhere. I can't be at that church. I can't be in that city. I just can't. I can't. Emotions. Making decisions on emotions. Oh, I'm going somewhere. I just can't be in Austin. Where would we be then? Where would we be now? You know, I've heard of and I've seen. I've seen, I just heard, I've seen of ministries when their pastor passes, how they, I mean, it's like chaos. They disperse. You have people fighting in the church about who's going to be the next pastor. You have churches that break up. You have churches that, I mean, they just stop, they stop existing. But thank God, thank God, For leadership, remember I said that you can witness experiences in their life. That should show you right there. If my pastor can go through a struggle like that, and now we see her on the other side of it, you have have bore witness. You bore witness. 1 Peter Chapter 5, verse 6. 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 6. Let me show you how God has taken care of that matter. 
First of all, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. That's first and foremost. That's part of how he has taken care of the matter. Of your concerns and the issues that come along with your flesh and difficult situations. That's number one. Because the Spirit, if you listen, that's why it's important that you be filled with the Spirit of God. And I haven't forgotten about you, Sister Richardson. That just reminded me I owe you something. We cannot, we have to be led by the Spirit of God. And that's why it's important that we be filled with the Spirit. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. 5 and 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. That's very important that we humble ourselves. That means that we yield to God, especially in, at all times, but especially when we have those uh, situations and circumstances that arises in our lives. Now, we really need to yield to God because that's going to help prevent struggle. Yielding to God. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. That he may, what? Exalt you in due time. That's why it's important to yield to him. Because as you're yielding to him, he will exalt you. He's going to lift you up. He can be the lifter of your head. (laughs) He can be the lifter of your head if you would just humble yourself. Yield yourself to him. You know, sometimes we like to waddle. We like to waddle. In self-pity. Oh, woe is me. We like to waddle in self-pity. You don't have to do that. Unless you just want to. I don't know. Well, I guess some people do. I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want. I don't want to feel disappointment. I don't want to feel anger. I don't want to be hurt. I don't want a hurt heart. It's going to come because we have a soul, but I don't want, I don't want, it takes too much energy. It takes too much energy out of you to be angry. It takes energy to be angry. You know, you feel, and, and, and literally, literally, especially when you lose a level, literally, you, 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 I mean, it's, you feel, I mean, it's, if you've never lost someone that has been close to you, you may not understand. You may not understand. But, I mean, you can almost, you can almost, almost feel it. Almost. It's, it's that, that hurt is so deep that you can almost feel it. It's a heaviness. It's a heaviness. I don't want to feel that way. I don't want to feel that way. So then we have to allow the cleansing. We have to allow God. We have to allow him. We have to want to get out of it. And then you have to allow him to help you get out of it. But he says, I've taken care of the matter. Look. He says what? Cast all your cares upon God. Cast all your cares upon him. For he careth for you. He don't want to see you hurt. He don't want to see you He don't want to see you struggling. He doesn't. 
casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, remember I said he's going to use, God will use, any, I mean the enemy will use anything in our lives. He will use people in our lives. He will use events in our lives. He will use situations in our lives. Why? Because he is roaring back and forth. He is trying to find whom he can devour. He's looking for somebody that's weak. He's looking for someone that, 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 that he can just get. He's looking for that. Because his, his ultimate goal is to destroy. That's his ultimate goal. You remember our pastor said on Sunday. She said, oh, maybe oh, I get the days and times mixed up, whatever. She said in one of her teachings that the enemy, he know, he's try, he tries to get me. He goes after everybody. Don't get it wrong. Don't get it twisted. But in a church, if he can get the leadership, then he has everybody else. That's why it's important to want to come out of it. You got people watching you. We're going to talk about that. Maybe not today. But you got people watching you. What you go through is not just for yourselves. Because when God gets you out, when he brings you out, when you have the victory, when you've experienced the victory, now it's time to help somebody else. Someone is going to be helped, number one, just by watching you, by, by looking at you and by watching you go through and get to the other side. That's one thing. But then your testimony, <laughs> your testimony when you're able. See, sometimes we're, we're not able. You, can't, you cannot talk about your victory until you get to a certain point, until you have the victory. While you're going through, that's not the time to talk about it. But when you have gotten to the other side of it, now it's time to testify. Your testimony can help somebody. Your testimony, that's why God uses people. See, what, what better way to help a, a drug addict than to have someone, sometimes that's the only people they trust because they, they trust that they know that they know what they're going through because they've been through it themselves. So that's hope. If they got out of it, then I can too. So you can have somebody preaching to you, teaching you, talking to you that ain't been through it. And if you don't understand how God works, you know, then you don't understand that God can use whoever he wants to. You don't understand that. That's not a concept that you understand. But, it, but, but, but sometimes people will understand that if that's where they, it's just where they are, that if I know that you've been through what I've been through, then I'm going to listen to you because I know you know what you're talking about. God uses. Your testimony can help somebody else. He says, you can only be, you can only be sober and vigilant when you are not distracted. You can only be sober. So it says in verse 
8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. You can only be sober and vigilant when you're not distracted. To keep away from distraction, you must be sober and vigilant. So, to keep from distraction, you have to be sober and vigilant. But you can only be sober and vigilant when you're not distracted. So what does that tell you? You need to be sober and vigilant at all times. Okay? You must be sober, and sober means calm, collected in spirit. Sober. You don't have anything that is going to distract your attention. That cause you to think improperly. That's why you need a calm and a collect and be collected in spirit. Vigilant means to be attentive, cautious, and awake. You know our pastors talk about being awake. Are you awake? You can be awake. You can be uh, 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 sleep with your eyes wide open. So you have to be vigilant. Be attentive. Cautious and awake. You must be sober and vigilant to recognize the work of your enemy. So that's why it says, the devil is, he is walk, walking about like a roaring lion. We're going to talk about that roar in just a second. But he is, he is walking about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may. So he's taking his time. Remember that teaching that, that, that uh, Minister Hilda. He's taking his time. He's just watching. He's watching and he know He's watching. But just as he's watching, he's watching, you need to be watching too. <laughs> and in order to be watchful and cautious, you got to be sober. And you got to be vigilant. That roar, I said we we're going to talk about that roar. That roar of, as a lion. That roar is an event that roar is the event or the situation in your life. That's the roar. It's not the bite. It's just the roar. He says, look, here's this event. Here's this situation. <clears throat> roar. I want you to be scared. <clears throat> I want you to be scared. You hear that roar? Usually we hear that roar. We what? That's how he wants you. He wants you just like that. Scared. And then that emotional response of being scared will cause you to do something. It's going to cause you to what? To run. I'm suggesting to you that when you hear that roar, when that event comes up, you stand. <laughs> That's what I'm suggesting. Don't run. That's an action. And that run is because you're scared. That emotion of the soul. Don't run. Stand. Listen. God has already, Jesus has already taken care of the matter. You don't have to fight. Remember I said, the struggle is a fight, because, but that's a struggle with you. 
You don't have to fight the devil. He's already been taken care of. Jesus has already taken care of him. He has conquered death, hell, and the grave. The scripture tells us what we have to do is what? Stand. It says stand therefore with your loins girded, girded about with truth. It says stand. It says put on the whole armor of God and stand. You don't have to fight. All you got to do is stand. In that event or situation, you stand. Stand firm in your faith. Stand firm in your trust. Stand firm in your hope. You just stand. And have done all to do. (laughs) What do you do? Stand. You continue standing. You stand and resist the devil. That's how you resist him, by standing. Why? Because he is, he is expecting that you're going to respond. He's expecting that you're going to respond and give an action the way he wants you to give. That's what he's expecting. Don't give him what he wants. All you got to do is stand. Stand firm in your faith. Stand firm in your trust. Stand firm in your confidence in God. Stand firm in the work of Christ. All you got to do is stand. Because God has already taken care of the matter. You just got to stand. He is on a hunt. The enemy is on the hunt for the weakened mind. The drunk. And when I say that, that sober mindset, remember, thinking clearly. He's on the hunt for those who are not thinking clearly. He's on the hunt for those who are not thinking clearly. He's on the hunt for the, the, those who are weak in the spirit, weak in the flesh, and weak in their souls. That's what he's looking for. That's what he's hunting for. You don't have to fight. Remember I said that because the victory has already been won. You just got to be immovable. Always abounding in God. Just be immovable. Resisting the enemy in faith. Look at verse 9. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Remember, that's what I talked about, about seeing others, others who have gone before you, others who have suffered the same things. Knowing, you have, knowing, knowing means what? When you know something, it has registered on your senses. You've seen it. You've experienced it. You know it. Knowing, so it says, knowing, knowing that the same afflictions, you've seen it, it's registered on your senses, the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. 
the God of all grace. It's the God of all grace. And we, we're going to get to that in a second. But look at this. It says, resist it. It says, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brother. So this is, this is what this means. The same sufferings that you have witnessed, the same like sufferings has been completed. It has been completed. That's what that means, that knowing that the afflictions are accomplished. That means it has been completed in your brethren that are in this world with you. That means that we're all in this world. That means we're, we're all going to what? Suffer. We're going to suffer some things. We're going to have those communal events and those communal uh, 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 activities and those things that, that come up that's going to affect us all. And we've seen that even personal things that people go through, I, we've seen it. We've witnessed it. We've witnessed it. But it says that it has been accomplished. The same afflictions are accomplished in your brother. That means it has been brought to an end. Accomplished. That means it's been brought to an end. That's what that means. It's been brought to an end. It has been made perfect. The scripture tells us that God will perfect those things that concern us. They've been made perfect. They've been completed. They've been brought to an end in your sister or your brother's life that are also in this world experiencing the same thing that you have experienced. The God of all grace. Verse 10. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, may make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. The God of all grace. After you have suffered and stood. After you have suffered and stood, remember I said to stand, after you've suffered and stood and resisted for a while, a while could be a short while, it could be a long while, but after you have stood, it says, make you perfect. Make. That God will make you perfect. That means he will mend you. He will make. He will repair you. He will strengthen you. He's making you. He's strengthening you. He will make you what you ought to be. Sound and complete and stable and firm and fixed. Rooted. If you stand, then he can root you. He can fix you. Oh, you didn't get that. If I stand, not move, not run. But if I stand. See, you can't root anything that's moving. You can't root anything that's moving. That's why you have to be, that's why you have to stand. And in your standing, in your faith, he will root you. He will strengthen you. He will settle you. You can't settle something that's running. You can't settle something that's moving. He just needs you to stand in faith. As you stand in faith, he will root you. I know it's Wednesday, and I know we're tired. I can see it all in your eyes. But listen, you got to listen. You got to hear this word. See, that's the enemy right there. 
la 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 yeah la 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 he's trying to rock you to sleep oh you don't need to hear that oh no you don't need to hear that are you sober and vigilant because you would have seen that coming and you would have stood up when you felt that sleep you, you can stand up it's okay why? Because I'm trying to be vigilant. I'm trying to be watchful. I'm trying to be watchful. So my eyes, I need to be alert. So that I can hear that word. I know. I get it. First Wednesday night back. I get it. By this time, I'm like, you know, in my bed doing whatever on Wednesday. Oh, some of you didn't catch that. Okay. While people's actions and responses to events and situations are different, everyone's actions and responses are based on three common elements. So everyone's responses and actions to a situation or event are different, but they're all based on three. No matter what your action is, no matter what your response is, they're still based on three common elements. Knowledge gained, knowledge retained, and knowledge applied. Your reaction, your response is based on three common elements that we all have in common. Whatever knowledge we have gained, that means what we have heard. The knowledge we have retained, that means that which you have kept and hidden in your heart. That knowledge that you have protected that knowledge that you're holding on to, that's knowledge that you have retained. And then knowledge that you have applied. That which you do and act upon. Knowledge gained, knowledge retained, and knowledge applied. Whether it's good knowledge or bad knowledge. Knowledge is just knowledge. It's just information. But when you have heard the good news, when you have heard and you have gained godly knowledge. You remember those scriptures? Remember our pastor? She told you, you can't put down one message because you're hearing another. You got to remember those messages about the word, about the truth, about knowledge, about attaining knowledge, hearing, and what you're going to do with that knowledge. When there is a struggle... When there is a struggle, there is usually, usually, not in I'm not saying every case, but usually it's a deficiency or a weakness in one or more of those areas. It's a deficiency in what you've gained, so it's not good knowledge. Or it's a deficiency in what you've retained, that means you haven't retained everything that you have heard that's good. And it's what it's applied. That means you haven't applied it continuously or you haven't applied it at all. A deficiency is usually, I mean, a, a, a struggle is usually because of a deficiency in one of those areas. Applying and doing and acting upon what you have learned and retained, it must be continuous and it must be consistent. If it's not, it's not called application. It's just called something that you try. Application is continuous. When you apply something, it's continuous. So if you try it and you don't continue in it, 
You've just tried it. You haven't, you're not applying it. It has to be applied consistently. Or perhaps, so I have to remember I said that it's usually that's the case, a deficiency in those. But perhaps you have obtained knowledge, you have re- retained knowledge, you have applied the knowledge consistently in that area, but the struggle continues. Not as a constant. So you can't apply something continuously and then something that's opposite of it continues. That's two. You can't do that. But it is possible that you apply the knowledge and you apply it consistently, but then because you have an enemy, it's going to creep up again. It'll creep up again. Just like in the morning process. So after you go through this period of deep, I'm going I'm I'm to call it deep mourning, and then you start to heal from that deep mourning, every now and then, you know, you get to a better place, but then every now and then, it wants to creep up again. See, that, and that's what I'm saying. It's not because, it, it, it's, not, it's creeping up not because of a lack of knowledge. It's not creeping up because you haven't retained knowledge. It's not creeping up because you haven't applied knowledge, because you got out of it. Right? But every now and then, it's going to come back up. Why? Like I said, because you have an enemy and and you still have this flesh and you still have that soul it's not gone anywhere so some things some struggles there are some struggles that are going to be with you for the rest of your life and then there are other struggles that you can get rid of if you want to all of those fleshly things, remember I said that we have the, those things that are of the flesh, those, those, those uh, um, struggles that we have because of the flesh, because there's a lack of discipline in our lives. Those things you can get rid of. And I'm talking to me just as much as I'm talking to you. You can get rid of those. But then there are struggles in, in our lives. Again, I said that we'll, they will be with us for the rest of our lives. But that doesn't mean that we need to stop fighting. It doesn't mean that we need to stop fighting. It doesn't mean that we need to stop standing. It doesn't mean that we need to stop resisting. You have to continuously, continuously apply the knowledge that you have gained and retained. That is the key. Continuing in that. In those times of resurfacing, when those the struggles resurface, you must continue to apply, do and act upon the knowledge that you have gained and retained. The knowledge is there. You have kept it. And you have hidden it in your heart. We're going to end with this statement. Although you may not be able to avoid personal struggles, you can avoid being distracted by them.
although you may not be able to avoid personal struggles, you can avoid being distracted by them. It is possible. Most importantly, God does not want you to be overtaken by a struggle. That's why he provides the Holy Spirit. That's why he's provided it. That's why he's provided his word because the word is cleansing. That's why he's provided. That's why he's done all of those. That's why he's provided examples, living examples, people for your lives so that you can see. That's why he's done that because he does not want you to be overtaken by that struggle. It's one thing to have a struggle, but it's another thing for a struggle to have you. It's one thing to have a struggle, but it's another thing for a struggle to have you. That means it has taken hold of you. God does not want you to have a struggle. That he, he does not want you to be bound by a struggle. He's provided freedom. Why would he want you to be bound by a struggle? He's freed you from death, hell, and the grave. He's freed you from the works of the enemy. Be when I say free, because you don't have to. Before you were saved, you had to because that's all you knew. He provided the word. He provided the spirit of God. He provided all of those things so that you don't have to be bound to do what's wrong. You don't have to be bound to a struggle. You don't have to be. Listen. Listen. We pray for healing. That's where our faith lies. But if you, if you are never healed on this side, you don't have to be bound by a struggle from it. And I'm out of time. But God is faithful. And you need to come back next Wednesday so that you can understand how you don't have to be bound by struggle. We're going to see some examples. I'm loving this. I'm going to, we're going to get to, we have to, we have to, because I only have more, one more Wednesday. We're going to get to the book of Ruth. And we're going to see, not just Ruth, oh, you know what, that was my, that was my, my goal my thought was that we were going to use Ruth to show us how to stand in a struggle and something that you've gone through and how to act and how to react and how to respond. That was my goal. But as I was studying Ruth, God started showing me things about Naomi. He started showing me things about And I'm going to pronounce this name wrong. Elimelech, who was the husband of Naomi. He started showing me about, even though it's only like two or three sentences maybe about them, they, he started showing me things about their sons. That whole family. And we're going to see throughout different struggles. There were different activities for some of them. There were different Circumstances for some of them, 
we know three of them had pretty much had the same. That was the, the three women because their husbands died. That was the event, the situation. But then we have the other two or the other three. The father, he had his issue because of a certain situation or circumstance. And then the sons, they had their issues because of a different situation or circumstance. You're going to find yourself, you might find yourself in one of those. That's why you need to come back next week. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.